or the angels, uh, or angelology, uh, ology, the study of angels. But we're looking at a specific area today, and that is in the Old Testament. Now, unfortunately, sometimes uh, the King James uh, will put an angel of the Lord when it is, should be translated the angel of the Lord. Uh, but most of the time, they're very accurate. And sometimes, well, I don't want to downgrade any translation. Sometimes it's an interpretation error, error uh, interpretation um, judgment. But uh, there are many times in the Old Testament where we see the angel of the Lord. And whenever you see the angel of the Lord, that is Jesus Christ pre-incarnate. Now, what do we mean by Jesus Christ pre-incarnate? What does pre-incarnate mean? The incarnation means what? The word became flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And so if it was Jesus Christ pre-incarnate, that means before he became flesh and blood, there are appearances in the Old Testament that he made. And I'm just going to take one, then we'll back up and try to go through some of these. Um, But in Joshua... Chapter 5, you remember the story of Joshua, and he sent the two spies in. He was making his plans to conquer Jericho in obedience to the Lord. And after he made all of his plans, we see that God stepped in, and we see that, um, that the Lord said to Joshua in, five, in chapter 5, verse 13, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. This was after he'd made all of his plans. He was ready, okay, Lord, what's next? Then he lifted up his eyes, and behold, a man, capital M, uh, stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Are you for us or against us? And he said, No, but uh, as the commander or the captain of the Lord of hosts, um, as the King James puts it, um, of the Lord, I am now come. And notice Joshua fell on his face to worship uh, the, to the earth and worshiped and said, Why does my Lord, capital L, say uh, to his servant, then the commander of the Lord's army or the Lord of hosts? When you see that Lord's of hosts, then you're t- that's the Lord's army. And um, he, says, he said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, where else do we see that uh, the Lord commanded someone to take their shoe off their feet? Moses. So obviously, this is God. So we say, whenever you hear that song, uh, Mighty Fortresses is, uh, is Our God, uh, when you see the Lord Sabaoth is his name, that is the, uh, the kind of the transliteration of um, of the Hebrew word for the Lord of hosts, Lord Sabaoth. So whenever Martin Luther wrote that, it was Lord, so he's the Lord of hosts. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Of course, he's my, he's my standard. He's my, he's my army around me. And he wrote that song uh, back uh, after he had gone and made his famous speech at the, uh, the Council of Worms. Worms, it's spelled worms, but it's Worms. And uh, where he had said, here I take my stand. Well, he was kidnapped by um, a bunch of officials to keep him out of the clutches of those who wanted to kill him, the Catholic Church. And 
The, uh, and a man with a castle, I'll just put it that way, um, a lector, they call him, um, put him up in the castle for a year. That, that was very prosperous because during that time he translated the Bible, the New Testament, into the uh, German language, and it's still used today. It's kind of interesting. He really altered the German language or stabilized the German language by translating that Bible. Uh, for better or worse, that's the reason you have such long uh, uh, German words because he had such a, it's like Webster in America. I mean, he really had a lot of influence on the German language. But he said after a year and all the things that he was able to do, uh, he said, I can't stay in this castle. I've got to get back out and serve the Lord. And they said, you're going to be martyred. You're going to be burnt at the stake. He said, well, I'll trust the Lord. And that's when he wrote the song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. I don't need a castle. I need the Lord. And he died a, um, an old man. And so he died of natural causes. So God blessed him and um, he was able to be used. Now, was Martin Luther perfect? No. Last week we talked about it. He had some cultural issues. He had problems with uh, anti-Semitism and all the rest that Hitler used later on. But uh, what man that, that has ever served the Lord didn't have a problem? Except for me. No, I've got problems too. And if you pick me apart, you'll find a lot of them. You'll find some that I don't even know about. But, uh, you know, there again, we all have our blind spots. And we come from the culture in which we were born. And uh, that's not good um, at times, but sometimes we have to learn how to overcome it. But here we see that uh, the Lord tells Joshua, uh, this is Jesus Christ, obviously, pre-incarnate. He's the Lord of hosts. Now, this term is used over in First Peter when the Lord says, the Lord resists the proud, but gives, us, gives grace to the humble. It's the word that he marshals his forces against the proud. So who are his forces? The Lord of the angels. So again, he comes as the commander of the Lord of hosts. He is the commander of the angels. And so I, I like this. Now, so we go back and we, we can trace through, and I give you, gave you well over, uh, well, about two dozen um, references to the Lord Jesus pre-incarnate. Uh, we see that uh, back, the voice of the Lord, back, uh, remember, uh, at the fall, in chapter Genesis chapter 3, the voice of the Lord finds fallen man, pronounces a curse, and reveals the gospel. And you will see that back in Genesis, where the Lord uh, uh, says that, uh, uh, I will put in between, between your, my seed and her seed. Who's my? Who's my? That's, a, that's the Lord. And so, again, this would be the Lord. In chapter 16, it's interesting we see that, uh, uh, and, and this is something, it's uh, one of the first times that we see the Lord appearing to fallen person is to a, a reject. Her name was Hagar. Remember, she was cast out. And she ran because her maid was, or her master, Sarah, was upset, well, upset that she had a child. She was jealous over her. And she was, she was cast out. And yet the Lord appeared to her and the angel of the Lord came to her and promised her that she would have a son. Now that's kind of interesting because that was the birth of the Arabs. And yet God blessed this outcast. 
And one of the first times that we see the angel of the Lord in the Bible is when he's talking to people that would later on be, or a lady who would later on be the mother of the enemies that we just saw of Israel. And yet we see that God cares for the outcast as well as his chosen people. Uh, And so we see that with Hagar. In chapter 18, uh, the angel of the Lord comes, and this is where, uh, well, let's just turn back to chapter 18 of Genesis. Of course, he'll appear appear as a man, or he appears in different ways. But, um, let's see. This bigger Bible. Look at here's chapter 18. Um, and notice uh, in verse 1 of chapter 18, the Lord appeared to him, Moses, by the, what, the, what does the King James call it? It's a tabernacle tree, but what do they call it? What kind of tree is it there? Or what, is a, what does the King James call it? By, and memory, okay, uh, of memory. And uh he was sitting in a tent by the heat of the day. So he lifted up his eyes and looked. Behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from his tent to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. He said, my Lord. Okay, now three men. Now we know two men who were angels were in Sodom and Gomorrah in the next, um, in the next chapter. They were the same two men that came to see Jesus. Remember, but, so what happened here? We have three men who were angels who came to see Moses. And the reason we know that he is God is why? Because Moses fell down and worshipped him. Whenever you see anybody falling down and worshipping the Lord and the angel doesn't pick him back up, then you know it's God. Because every time that you see an angel, for instance, with John and others, that uh, he'd say, get up, don't worship me. Because angels do not want to be worshipped. They don't want to be prayed to. They don't want, to put, they don't want you to put a little tassel up on your mirror or, and for protection. That's all. You're taking your eyes off of the Lord and putting them on angels. You're putting your eyes on the creation, not the creator. Yes, sir. Yeah. Right. So is that what's going on here, or is there something that's about being said here that he recognized that those guys were holy angels? Um, God must have re- had to reveal Himself to him because those he saw he saw something different. He wasn't an average man, or the three people. Now he fell down and worshipped. He didn't say, "My lords." He said, my Lord. So obviously one was really a lot different than the other. But then we see also that there were, how many angels were in Sodom and Gomorrah? Two. So that means that the Lord had left. The Lord wasn't going to go into Sodom and Gomorrah. He sent his angels. It's kind of interesting. (laughs) How that he, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah had separated themselves from the Lord God. And so the Lord called Lot out of Sodom, don't even look back. 
If you want to follow me, you get out of there. This is interesting how that, the presence of the Lord. And so uh, there again, we see that uh, in the Old Testament, uh, when Jesus appeared, he didn't say, I'm Jesus Christ pre-incarnate. He doesn't say that, but you can identify by things that happen around him. And so we see uh, the angel of the Lord, uh, notice it says, the Lord appeared to him in the form of an angel because two of the angels went on to Sodom and Gomorrah. And so we see there. Um, And then in chapter 21, now remember, uh, Hagar was pregnant the first time. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you a son. The second time, she was kicked out because Ishmael, her son, uh, was making fun. He was a teenager by this time, and he was making fun of good old Isaac. And so Sarah got all fired mad, like any mother would do, and kicked her maidservant out. Can you imagine being poor old Hagar? I mean, poor... (laughs) We won't get into... And the misogyny and all that kind of stuff there. But uh, how sad it was to see how the women were treated. But she was kicked out again, ran out of water. Her son was probably 10, 11 years old, not old enough to be on his own yet. And she's out of water. And uh, there we see where the, the angel appears to the Lord again. The angel of the Lord. In fact, that's where we'll look at that. Verse 17 of twenty-one, Genesis 21. Um, and that'll be a good indication. Uh, 2117, and notice um, she says, um, and God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of the Lord called Hagar out of heaven and said, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up uh, up the lad and hold him in your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Now, wait a minute. There again, one of the first times that we see that God appears to, the angel of the Lord appears, he appears to an outcast. And he appears to someone who would later on be the, first of all, he sustained her when she was pregnant. Now he's sustaining her when she's out of water. She's been, she's been thrown out twice. Uh, what does that tell us even today? As mean as these people are and the viciousness that we've seen, can God save an Arab? He better because there's several, uh, there's a couple of Arab evangelists that I know. You know, there again, God can save anybody, including the outcast. I love the way he does that. Did he save, um, um, so he saved Hagar. And then also, can you think of another outcast in the book in Jericho? What was her name? She was an outcast of outcasts. Rahab. She was, she, was, uh, she was an outcast of Jericho because of her, of her reputation, as well as an outcast of Israel because she was an enemy of Israel. And yet, God blessed her, isn't it? Yes, there again, because she looked at the, she saw the Lord. But that's where we get that song, Lo, uh, by the spring of water I see, because Hagar lifted up her eyes, and when she looked, she opened her eyes. Notice, I like this in verse 19. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with her water, and Gave the lad to drink. So God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness. 
And so, notice God opened her eyes. That's what we want to pray for today, is that God, the angel of the Lord, will open the eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan into himself. And so, uh, can we turn this heat down a little bit? I'm getting a little stuff. How does it feel in here? Is it a little, a little warm? Yeah. And Gail will have a big problem with that when she comes to you. So let's uh, turn that down to a little below 70. Um, and so we see that, uh, again, the angel of the Lord, he appeared at the right times in history. And so um, and whenever you see them worshiping him or praying to him, or has, then we see that uh, um, and Daniel, remember uh, Daniel, the, the Michael came. And the Lord, Michael wouldn't let Daniel worship him. But he did give him a lot of information. So um, where, you know, uh, Daniel, get up. Uh, the reason I couldn't come to you two weeks ago is because I was fighting the king of Persia. Not the king of Persia personally, but the prince of the king of Persia, which was whatever angel that uh, Satan had thrown over that situation. So I was, I was fighting the demons. So, you know, so... God doesn't answer you immediately. Why? Because he's giving his angels charge over you to keep you. But sometimes his angels are busy fighting for you and you don't even know it. Isn't that great? We're going to look at that uh, in Isaiah. Where the, when you get away from God, then you're taking yourself out from his protection. And he, instead of uh, marshalling all his forces for you, he's marshalling, he just gets out of the way or he marshals his forces against you. Now, can you be demon-possessed? No. But can you be definitely beat the devil out? Well, I don't want to say beat the devil because the devil's in you. You know, someone said, if the Lord beat the devil out of me, there wouldn't be much left. Well, that's true sometimes. But, uh, you know, here we got, we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Because it sounds like good old Gabriel and... Satan, sounds like Satan may have been a little superior in strength to, to Gabriel. Remember how close he was to the Lord? I will be like the Most High. So he backed off and he said, no, I'll rebuke you in the name of the Lord. Because, I'll, hey, Satan, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let God take care of you. Folks, don't fall into this. I had a, there was a, there was a charlatan preacher. I mean, I just could not stand. I had to go to a funeral one time where he preached a guy into heaven that I knew probably didn't know the Lord, and he made him into a saint. And oh, I just it drove me crazy. But he had on the front of his car the devil stomper, and he was known for casting out demons. And he had a big Z twenty eight Camaro, and you know, and alligator boots, and all these kind of stuff. Boy, this guy was flashy. And I'm thinking, how this guy, you know. <laughs> You know, uh, how can he be this way? And so, uh, but you know, if, if Gabriel can't whip Satan, why should I think that I'm the devil stomper? Now, I'm not the devil stomper. I say, Lord, seek him. Right? A mighty fortress is our God. Not me, but God. Lord Sabaoth is his name. He's the captain of the Lord of hosts. And so, Lord, you take care of it. But I, I don't flesh. Oh, I, one time I was preaching on this about we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. 
But it was out, uh, it's interesting, the good old southern lady walked up to me and said, Brother Dan, now, last night, I mean, I got a neighbor that I've been trying to witness to, but every every morning at 5 o'clock, he gets up and he starts, he goes out on his driveway and starts bouncing his basketball and shooting hoops at 5 o'clock in the morning, and he just drives me crazy. I just want... And you were talking about, um, is that uh, where I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers? And I said, it sounds like it, <laughs> you know. So every time, you, every time I hear that basketball, I keep here thinking of what you said. I'm not wrestling against him. I'm wrestling against the people that make him do this. <laughs> so I'm, I don't know. Other than, you know, ask God for wisdom or ask an angel to shoot that basketball or something. You know, or don't shoot him, but, you know, bust that basketball. But uh, there again. You know, what, you know, we look at what's going on in Washington. We call it a, a cesspool or a swamp or whatever. Uh, I was hearing a, a new congressman today. I just saw just the news as I was coming in. And he was defending some action he took this past week. And he said, yeah, I came up here because this place is a swamp and it's contagious. And so he can feel it. And I've, I've talked to politicians. He said, you walk in there and you feel the corruption. You feel something is going on. I, there was a book called uh, uh, The Power Game by Hedrick Smith. He wrote it back during the um, Reagan administration. So it's an older book. He was a CBS correspondent back when CBS had a little bit more um, virtue than they have today uh, or credibility than they have today. But uh, uh, he would talk about how that you had to learn Washington and how who to talk to. And for so he mentioned Ed Meese, who was one of Reagan's right-hand men. He said uh, he knew a fellow who walked in and sat, and the secretary said, well, Mr. Meese will not be ready for about a half an hour, but you can sit here and wait until, and I'll let you know if it's any sooner. So he sat there for a half an hour and didn't say a thing to that secretary. He said he blew it because Ed Meese would have been the figurehead. The secretary is the one who starts telling the, the secretary. He, does, he can't get all this information. He's got to get it from her. And so, you know, that's... And so he said he missed us all because Ed Meese, is going, he's going to meet 30 people. But she's the one who takes all the notes and everything else. And so it's the aides that you've got to figure out to, to who to talk with and who's the right one. That's the reason the first lady is so powerful, because they call it pillow talk, don't they? And she's the one who can get the ear of her husband. And uh, that's the reason they're either loved or hated and all that kind of stuff. That's the reason they're put on the front of the glamour magazines and all the rest, whether they're pretty or not. And it doesn't matter whether they're pretty. If, they're not pre- if, they, if you don't agree with them, then they don't put you on there whether you are pretty or not. So all that kind of stuff. And so that's all part of it. But there's a, there's a wet web there. Now, with us, it's just the opposite. We go to the head because he's omniscient. But then he passes it on down. But I don't worry about that because all the Lord tells me is that he will take care of me. And I don't have to worry about those angels. He'll take care of them. And I won't know until I get to heaven how he took care of me. Right? You think of old good old Job. He never knew. The Bible, you know, people say, well, Job was written to show why people suffer. God never told Job on the earth why he suffered. Never. Job did not know that Satan went and talked to 
the Lord. He didn't know all the angelic activity that was going around. And now that Satan directed his angels to destroy things. And yet Job was protected because said, you can't do one thing you're not to do is take Job. And we see that God, he limited Satan to what he can do. I've said many times, Lord, please don't do that to me. Don't say, have you considered my servant Dan? No, 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 just keep it with Job. You know, don't say that. You know, so again, uh, we see that all these, this angelic activity that's going on uh, in heaven and on earth. And so, um, so in chapter, so we see that, uh, then we see Hagar again. And Psalm, in um, uh, Genesis 22, 11 through 18. That's a, another great passage where we see that, uh, notice in verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him and from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Now, where's the, what's the, this is one of those great tender passages in scripture. Remember, the Lord called Abraham up to, uh, to the mount. Um, and uh, he, uh, when he got there uh, to Moriah, which many people believe was the exact location of Calvary, and uh, he said, uh, sacrifice your son, your only son. And the Lord, and remember he's going up and his son was a teenager now. Abraham was an old man. There was no way he was going to outfight his teenager. And so it shows you that he's a pretty good father that his own son would allow himself to be tied up by his father and put on an altar. And then notice the angel of the Lord, not an angel, but the angel of the Lord uh, appeared and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Uh, uh, do not lay your hand on your lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son to me, capital M. So notice again, we have the angel of the Lord, or Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate. And again, what did the Lord do? He opened his eyes. Where was the lamb? He was there all the time. All God had to do was open his eyes. Lord, I need something. I need that. Well, where is it? Seeking you shall find it's already out there. But God promises you if you'll seek it, you'll find it you'll find the answers to your prayer. If you'll knock, that means a little bit more stress, more proactive, more going after it, more seriousness, more urgency. And God says, if you seek me, they who seek me shall find me. And so again, we see the the angel of the Lord um, as he meets the needs. And then, of course, um, in chapter 24, Again, we have, uh, now remember this is where God is uh, forming the nation of Israel. And we see that uh, he says, uh, but Abraham, this is talking about uh, Abraham's servant as he's going to meet or find a bride for Isaac. And uh, Abraham said, beware that you do not take my son, uh, my son back there. Don't take him back to where I came from. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and spoke to me and swore to me, saying, to your descendants, I will give this land. So uh, 
What's the Lord, what's Isaac, the Bible, the son of promise, Isaac, is the only, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Isaac is the only person of those three who never left the land of promise. You know, both Abraham and Jacob. Abraham went down to Egypt. Jacob went back to Herod. But Isaac never left the land of promise. But then notice in verse 40. So we see that Eliezer, the, uh, the, uh, the servant, now had gone and he had found the child or found uh, the bride for Isaac. And he said to me, the Lord, behold, for, before whom I walk, will send an angel with you and prosper you in your way. So he's, he's telling us what, uh, what the Lord would do. And prosper you, and you shall seek a wife for my son and for the family of the Lord's family. And so we see that uh, the Lord told, he said that, uh, that the angel of the Lord, or that God would notice, he says, the Lord God of heaven... Um, who took me from my house will will be the one who will tell you, and then we see that he says an angel, but he doesn't identify. But we do know that it was God who led Abraham to say that God will lead you to the right person, and so the Lord, before whom I walk, will send His angel and prosper you in your way and take a wife, um, and you will clear His name. And so we see that, um, and he said, uh, verse 42, And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper me in the way. And the Lord did do exactly what Abraham did, said. So here we have an angel. This is one of those interpreted. Was it the angel or an angel? Well, uh, obviously the servant didn't get the direct answer from, or didn't get the direct uh, message from God. So he said an angel. But, what did Abraham say? The Lord will direct your way. And so again, we see that God did exactly, and it was God supervised that situation. Is there, a, is, there a, is there any confusion with that? That's one of those interpretation things. But, so his servant was faithful. Yes. And so uh, here again, we see that uh, God, when... When we're doing what God tells us to do and we ask our children to follow the Lord, does God watch over our children? We have a godly mother here and she has a godly daughter. Uh, will God answer the prayers of her mother in protecting her daughter? Will he take care of your grandson? Will he take care of your son? Never underestimate the power of a praying grandmother, grandfather, whatever. Don't you think God knew what Abraham before he saw it? That's the reason. Well, there's a passage in here. I don't have it by memory. But he says there uh, that, uh, no, he talked, is it Moses or Abraham? But he says, um, I know that he will be a good father. In other words, he says, I know that he's a man after my heart and he will lead his children. And uh, boy, but is, now think about it. He Was he a perfect father? No, he already had an illegitimate son. Think about it. And yet he could still be a good father. The trouble we have today 
Yeah. Yes. So will the penalty go away from our sin? No. But can, God, can God's grace overcome our sin? Yes. Can God work through our sin? Yes. That's why whenever, oh, pastor, you don't know my past. Well, God does. I don't have to know all your past. All I know is that if you'll give your life to the Lord, he'll put his angels in charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Right now you're working against his angels. Don't you want to work with them? Don't you want to march with God's army and not against his army? Don't you want to be in step with God's angels? You don't want to be like that mother who uh, went to the parade and saw her son marching in the band. And someone said, did you see your son marching in the band? She said, oh, yes, he was the only guy in step. No, well, no, he's probably the only one out of step, you know. So, so there again, um, you know, uh, I want to be in, you know, when we walk with the Lord, guess who's walking with him? His angels. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on his, our way. When we do his goodwill, he abides with us still and with all those who will trust and walk with him. Obey. So here we see that uh, there's, yeah, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> do you? <laughs> I mean, I have a little bit of idea. So I'll take that back. I do have a little bit, but that's all I know. And I won't know until I get to heaven, whether it's Michael or Gabriel or some angel that I never have heard of, but he says, you know, I had to take care of you. What a turkey you were, you know, whatever. That's going to be interesting when I get to heaven and find out what, uh, what God had to do to take care of me. It's going to be good, isn't it? But the, the key to this, though, the angel of the Lord is God himself. That's a good question. Well, the, you know, I... Is Lot's wife, the question is for those on the internet, where's Lot's wife? Uh, she looked back. Is she in heaven or hell? I'll tell you when I get to heaven. <laughs> I know where I'm going. I don't know where she went, but I know where I'll go. Right? Amen? There's, there again, I don't know a thing what I'm talking about when it comes to things unseen. So don't let people say, I'm the devil's stomper. I cast out. Folks, I, I, if I've cast out demons, I don't know it. I run from them. I'm scared to death of them. this stuff of that's in the Catholic Church today about casting out exorcism. Rosemary, that stuff is weird. And you wonder what's really going on. But the, the devil is definitely going on in that mess. And I'm not so sure they're, they're casting out anybody. I'm thinking they're infecting a lot of people. And uh, that guy that cast out demons, uh, to me, I, when, I, after, when I left that funeral where he preached a guy into heaven, I wanted that's the closest I've ever come to hitting the preacher. I mean, I was just so mad to think that I dealt with this man and I knew he kept rejecting the Lord over and over again. And uh, I won't get into the long story. But, uh, and then his, you know, his family got uh, mad with me because uh, I kept telling, you know, I kept talking to him about salvation. And so um, they found a preacher who said he was already saved in spite of the fact that he was living a very profligate wife, and um, and he didn't and he didn't have a chance to repent because he was in a lot of sin when he got hurt, and so and died in the hospital. So, 
Boy, I don't, I don't want to go too much into that, but other than the fact that, boy, I hate that whenever, you know, as a pastor, I hate to see, like this past week or a couple of weeks ago, so there's some radio, television preacher, I had never heard of him before, but he's mad with the con- his congregation because they wouldn't buy him another Learjet. And all, he, and all that the Learjet, he already had one, or well, I guess it was a jet anyway, it was a private jet. Uh, and it was only going to cost $47 million. I don't know. I don't know his name. I mean, I, I, I read his name, but he, it hit the Internet, you know, and they were all talking about him. Uh, what's that? It was you. Okay, you're right. <laughs> but uh, he was mad with his congregation and his television audience because they wouldn't buy him another $47 million yet. Uh, folks, if you send me to Israel, just please, if you do that one day, just make sure that it's not a one-way ticket during the next war, please. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, uh, but God's good. But let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. We're looking forward to what you're going to do even in the morning service. Give us hungry hearts and hungry people that want to serve you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.